Hello, welcome to Her Dark Materials. I'm Faye, hi. And I'm Rachel, hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter 24 of The Amber Spyglass, Mrs. Coulter in Geneva. Mommy is back and she is sure and is. she's mad. Mommy's back oh, and she's, she's mad. So mad. <laughs> and we love to see it. Honestly. This is a oh oh it's a good chapter for mm. that uh <laughs> priest slander. <laughs> Mrs. Coulter is back in the magisterium and she is striding through the corridors, stomping on every single throat she fucking sees. <laughs> she truly is. And it's a gift, you know. It is a gift. A, a Christmas gift for the time of year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, yes. What joy. Speaking of uh, Christmas gifts, yes. Uh, how excited are you about the season three finally announcing their air dates? Woo! I yes. am very excited. Um, very, very excited. Also, very excited that we have seen episodes one and two. We have. We're... we're we're super special journalists, actually. Yes, we are. We went to a press screening and yes. we thought we were just going to see episode one and it was episodes one and two. Yes. Um, and when I tell you that those episodes run back to back, they may as well be one episode. It's Ooh, It was like sitting in an amazing movie. It was so good. It was so good. And I am somewhat convinced that I met face of, of my childhood screen CBBC News Round presenter Lizo Mazimba. Yes. I'm pretty sure. We are like. He introduced himself in a very quiet voice while wearing a mask. And neither of us fully definitely caught his name. But when we left on the tube home, I turned to Faye and I said, Was that Lizo from News Round? And Faye went, Oh my God, it might have been. Mm-hmm. So it might have been. <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. I'm, I, I looked at his Twitter and his Instagram to see if he'd said anything his dark materials related. I might actually just look again. Because it yes. was like a while, a little while ago now. Yeah, whoever he was, he was lovely. He, very lovely. Everyone was very nice there. We felt very, very lucky to go and see all the cool stuff. Yeah. And yeah, got to feel very fancy, get let into a building with a special pass and sit in a press screening room. And yeah, when I tell you that the first two episodes are like chef's kiss, mm-hmm. exactly what I needed. They are then oh, I can't, cannot, cannot wait to record episodes about them and talk to you all about them and for you all to see them. They're so good. They are really good. And one thing that we did do as well at that screening is talk to Dan McCulloch, longtime supporter of the pod who we've not met in person. That was lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jane Tranter, uh, Amir Wilson and Jack Thorne. And we managed to chat to all of them. And what we're going to do with that info that we got from them is like in the first couple of episodes, and there are actually some things that we can probably include in later episodes, is stick some of their sound bites in the TV show episodes so that when we're talking about particular things, we can intersperse their thoughts in there as well. Uh, it mm-hmm. was really lovely hearing them all speak, uh, but particularly Jack Thorne, 
I really enjoyed his insights uh, and he seems like a really, really, just a really lovely guy. And you can tell the whole team's really excited to be doing this like, and a little bit sad to be doing this like final press run for the yeah. new season and like they've wrapped it up and had their like end of the you know their rap party mm-hmm. but now this is like properly the end because it's like it's going to be airing it's going to be done I think everyone's feeling very excited and sad and it's just really nice to be part of that atmosphere it's really yeah cool. for sure and I've I've said this before but well actually two things one thing I really loved when Jane came out to speak to us and we went Jane we loved it and she went oh thank god <laughs> she was like thank god and I was like imagine imagine if you were like Jane quit your job now it was awful <laughs> go home <laughs> but it, it's it's just nice isn't it to see how much it means to them that you know the fans like it um and one of the, the other things that I don't think I hit record on because we were just having a general chat with Dan was he was saying that when he listens to our TV episodes, he was like, sometimes it's really spooky because you have the exact conversations that we had had like in the writer's room or whatever. And it's really spooky. And I was like, that's amazing to hear. Mm -hmm. The other thing, and I think I've said this before, I just want to shower all the praise on Amir Wilson always. I think he's the loveliest, kindest, most professional young actor that I've seen like he's always so up for it he's always so professional he's so lovely so kind and I I just I have so much love for Amir I think he's great definitely oh like just I guess it must be part of the job right but like being just in that situation with again a bunch of like journalists just sat there firing questions at you and the rest of your team and trying to like answer things on the spot and just taking everything in your stride like all of them are so amazing at it it's kind of like oh I don't think I don't think I'd handle that situation (laughs) yeah no for sure especially at such a young age as well Mm -hmm. so yeah air dates officially BBC One Mm -hmm. the first episode airs at 7pm on Mm the 18th of December and at that same time on the 18th of December all of the season is being released on iPlayer but it is also so you can binge it if you want to binge it over Christmas which we will potentially do but we're also going to be doing watch alongs in our patreon discord server as it airs live on the bbc so it will continue to our weekly from the 18th onwards mm-hmm. and it's not super consistent time wise i think it's like 7 p.m on the 18th and then some day some sundays it's 8 p.m so you've got to check the timetable like check the mm-hmm. tv schedule to be certain the second episode is not on christmas day because that would be the week after the 18th it's on christmas yes. eve so it's on this saturday yes yes so i think it airs up until like around february and mm-hmm. or the end of january and we are going to do what we've always done for the tv show episodes and the episode will air on bbc one on the sunday and then we'll put our episode out on the friday on the following friday which is what we've done for the mm-hmm. uh, the seasons prior um but i will say that rich and i basically having a little HDM season three watch party this weekend that we're recording because we got given the episodes. So we're very excited to do that. 
it means we can actually record a podcast for you, release it, fingers crossed, don't hold to it, hopefully on time (laughs) and not burn out. That is the key. (laughs) Because I don't want, I love you, Faye, but I don't want to record a podcast with you on like Christmas Day. (laughs) No, no, I agree. Which is what would happen. Yeah. And it means, so last time and the time before was, was difficult. I had to drive to Rachel's parents' house, which I loved because we had a great day, but we recorded the pod there. And then last year we recorded an episode in our childhood bedrooms with like really shitty mics and the internet was shit and our parents were stomping around (laughs) and it was just like, oh my God. And it's just nice to have the episodes before so we don't have to do that while we're back home visiting our families for Christmas. We get to feel like fancy press people who get to, yeah, we can be prepared and we can, it means we can get episodes out to you hopefully on time fingers crossed yeah so we'll be releasing a schedule so you can see what to expect but as you probably have been made aware we're going to have a little pause on book episodes while the tv series is airing because we don't want to burn out Mm -hmm. so yes expect weekly book uh, weekly tv series episodes on a friday Mm -hmm. from when the series starts airing and we will resume the book chapters when the series has finished airing yes. in February. So, yeah, yes. this is your last book chapter for a little bit. It is. Uh, God, it's for a little while as well, isn't it? And so, yeah. to be clear, that means that our first TV show episode will come out on Friday the 23rd, which is after it's mm-hmm. aired on BBC One on the 18th, and then we'll do that. But yeah, I am looking forward to doing our TV show episodes. It's been so long since we've done them. I feel like I might actually have to go back and listen to a few. To- I know we usually just chat shit. We don't have a structure. We just yeah. chat whatever we want to chat about. It's not like we go through the episode frame by frame. We're just like, yeah, and what, what did you like this episode? Let's talk about it. Let's face it, Faye. I can already tell what you're going to spend the first two episodes talking about. Is it? If you um- follow us on Twitter, you'll know. You'll know. You'll know that it, it may well be just from the casting choices and press photos released at this time, you know that we're not going to shut up about Daddy Gomez. Daddy Gomez, another hot priest <laughs> in his dark materials. Honestly. What is it with them and hot priests? Mm-hmm. You know, they can't help themselves. Honestly, <laughs> on you cannot. Don't even try and prepare yourselves for Father Gomez. They're like, move aside, Andrew Scott. We know that you've got a reputation for being a hot priest, but we're bringing a new hot priest onto yeah. the block. Done, isn't it? So the actor's name is Jamie Ward. Uh, Jamie Ward. Jamie Ward. If we if we say too much, (laughs) if we respectfully, Jamie. Respectfully, Jamie. Respectfully, (laughs) respectfully. No, but like we can't because if we ever want to speak to him on the podcast, just. I'm not being funny. I publicly thirsted over Lin Manuel Miranda, and we spoke to him on the podcast. That is true. (laughs) But right, Daddy Gomez. I'm not being funny, but you cannot prepare yourself from it for it. You can try. You will not succeed. I, honestly. We should say no more. Let's let's the, let the anticipation build itself. That's Absolutely. exactly what he would do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God. Speaking of people being hot mm-hmm. and annihilating priests. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> should we uh, carry on so we can get into the episode ASAP? We should definitely do that. First things first. Hey, Faye. Yes. What would your demon have been this week? So, I can't remember. (laughs) I always do this. I'm like, well, I can't remember. So, I was trying to be festive because I'm trying to get into the festive spirit. My Christmas tree is already up. It's been up for a little while. But at the weekend, 
I sat on my sofa and I drank wine and I watched some Christmas songs and listened to some Christmas songs and watched some music videos. I went for years with like hair in Christmas. And now I... You worked like, in retail, so it's very understandable. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone that's ever worked in retail, I completely understand. Not retail, like a, hospitality, <laughs> anything like yeah. that. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm trying to get more into the festive spirit. And I picked a Robin. Oh, lovely. You can mm. match Simone. Yeah, exactly. And we were talking about them the other day and what you were telling me made me laugh. So I was like, I quite like that they're like right little bastards, basically. Yeah. Anytime you see two Robins on a greetings card, they are probably about to kick the shit out of each other because Robins (laughs) are really territorial and they are pretty much never seen together. And if they are, it's because they're about to take off and like fight in the air. And when Robins fight, they both just like fly and then just like flap at each other and they do the thing. Like, you know, you see on TV where people just do the like flappy thing when they fight. Yeah. And they just do that. And it's really funny. So, yeah. Nice. But yeah, that's that's me. That's me. Mm-hmm. Plus a little, it matches my hair if, they, yeah. if I have a male one. Uh, what about you? What would your demon be? I cried when I saw my heating bill this week and so I need a demon that is okay with being cold um, um, because we are in the middle of a nationwide heating crisis and it is very very cold and I do not want to put the heating on although at some point I will have to. I am going to make my demon an arctic fox partly because it will be cuddly and cosy and no. withstand the cold temperatures but also because it kind of makes me feel like a little like flashback to the first or second book with the gossipy foxes mm-hmm. um and oh, that just yeah. yeah i think was it was it subtle knife or was it amber or was it it's was it even the beginning of this i can't remember i remember you drew them i did that's what I, exactly what i was thinking of i don't think it was this one i don't think i think it was a subtle knife yeah it must have been mm-hmm. but yes Flashing back to however many books ago it was and the Arctic foxes because they're really cute. Cute. It is the season for cute animals that look cute because it's winter, but also withstand the cold. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, fucking hell. Don't you just hate a cost of living crisis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super great. It's really great. Anyway, before we get too depressed, should yeah. we uh, get into this chapter? Yeah. Yes. Last chapter, Lyra was finally reunited with Roger and told him of her plans to free the ghosts. Will discovered that they're trapped where they are until they can find higher ground. Tally and Sally negotiated with the Harpies who agreed to take them to a place where they may be able to cut free. In this chapter, Mrs Coulter visits the CCD, absolutely roasts the life out of some priests and is arrested by, speaking of failure, Father McPhail. Lord Roke is sent by Azriel to spy on Mrs. C and finds out that the CCD are building a weapon to kill Lyra. Well, 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 what a lovely chapter. Well, well, well. what a lovely chapter. Great, uh, great intro there, Faye. I enjoyed the thank you. summary of this chapter. Yes. Thank you, thank you. Welcome thank to you the roast. <laughs> We shall be serving priests. Priests' <laughs> egos, actually, specifically. Yes. <laughs> yes, this is a fucking great chapter. Rich messaged me earlier when she was about to take notes and she was like, I can't be asked to take notes if this chapter's just about fucking white priests. And I was like, girl, you get yourself ready, my friend. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, did, I did enjoy it. It was an enjoyable chapter. Surpri- surprisingly, for one set in the heart of the magisterium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Here we go. Do you want to guess what the picture is? Is it the locket? Oh, nearly. The lock of hair. Mm. Yes, it is. Mm, nice, nice guess. Ah, oh, cool. It, it kind of looks like a Christmas wreath. I was literally just going to say the exact same <laughs> words. It does look like a Christmas wreath. Amazing. Very festive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about that quote. Well, the quote is, as is the mother, so is her daughter. And it is from Ezekiel. Uh, it is another Bible one that's hard to research because there's not a lot of secular Bible research texts mm -hmm. out there, which is annoying. So if anyone has a good suggestion of a fairly secular Bible analysis text website thing, please tell me because it would make my life a lot easier. But we're also very close to the end of this journey. So <laughs> too little, too late. Um, I just think it's really strange that there's no Bible analysis that's not super religious. It's Maybe, I mean, I'm sure there is. It's mm. just hard to find for like yeah. the lay person, which is pretty much what I am. Like if if it's not going to show up on the first page of Google, I'm not oh, finding it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but this, is, yeah, this is from Ezekiel. I'm going to just read the context around it. And the context around it is uh, the book of Ezekiel forms a part of both the Hebrew Bible and the Christian Old Testament. And the context around it is, because you did not remember the days of your youth, but enraged me with all these things, I will surely bring down on your head what you have done, declared the Sovereign Lord. Did you not add lewdness to all other detestable practices? Everyone who quotes Proverbs will quote this proverb about you like mother, like daughter. Or, as is the mother, so is her daughter. You are the daughter of your mother who loathed her husband and children. You are also the sister of your sisters who loathe their husbands and children. And it goes like on and so on and so forth and starts like listing this person's family members and being like, your nan, she was a dickhead. Your auntie, <laughs> she was a dickhead. Your cousin, she was rich and she never helped the homeless. Your other person, they were rich and they never helped the hungry. And like, it just goes on and on and on. And it's like, and this is why I'm smiting you. So That's there's a the theme of Ruth in this chapter. There is. Is this just misogyny? It yeah. Well, it is and it isn't. It's so the like mother, like daughter specifically, I guess, is or that as is the mother, so is her daughter, is actually a phrase that has existed for longer than when it appears here in the Bible, because it's referencing itself as an existing proverb in the Bible. So mm -hmm. like we can assume that the expression dates back to pre the mm -hmm. book of Ezekiel, mm -hmm. um, which is fun. Like, it's kind of like, oh, so it's it's the, a very, old, very, very old yeah. saying. Um, and it's not that different from, like, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah, and like father, like son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's not necessarily super uh, misogynistic, but also is the Bible, so it also probably is. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, my research was not up to par on this probably because sometimes when it's about the bible <laughs> we don't care and that's why we're reading these books you know what i mean yeah yeah and the last one was was like biblical as well come on phil mm -hmm. give us another one that's not about not not biblical yeah it's around like a lot of like part of this section like references like sodom and we know of like sodom and Gomorrah and like all the sinful places that god smites down or whatever and it's kind of all that vibe within this section and kind of doesn't feel massively relevant to the rest of the quote aside from the fact that if it is probably vilifying this woman and her family and 
like mother, like daughter, that's where that comes from. And so this whole chapter being based around Mrs. Coulter and people victimising her daughter and mm-hmm. her sneaking around, being like Lyra, being sneaky. We get to see where Lyra gets some of it from. Like, Yeah, for sure. I think Phil just wanted a fancier way of saying like mother, like daughter. And so he went, with like, well, well, where's it from? The Bible. Yeah. And for me, I think when I hear anything to do with women in the Bible, I just immediately jump to misogyny. Or like mm-hmm. any religious texts, so you know. Yeah. Forgive me. <laughs> Look, I'm just not a religious scholar. It's fine. Nor would I'm we also want not to an be. academic scholar. I'm just not a scholar. <laughs> We're not scholars, you know. We're just not scholars. It's not who we are. Right. Right, here we go. Last time we were with Mrs. Coulter, she had committed grand theft intention crafter. Yes. <laughs> and we now found out, find out that she's flying it to the College of Saint Jerome, Jerome, mm-hmm. and she, yeah, she's flying over the top of it. And this made me laugh because I don't know if you saw. There's a bit here where it says uh, the college was was a distinctive shape among the other ancient buildings of Geneva. My brain went, "Lol, is it shaped like a dick?" And I was like, "Why did my brain go that?" And I was like, "Because I saw a news article." a while ago about this church that they'd accidentally built to look like a dick from above. And it's so funny. And I was like, why did my brain go there? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I think a lot of churches, are, most a lot of churches are shaped deliberately to be the shape of a cross from above. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, with the different wings. So I can see if you kind of had some more like circular or hexagonal rooms on the sides, it would... Uh... <laughs> accidentally look a bit bawly let me find the... are you gonna find me a picture yes i am uh i am sure there are some like theses out there just being like yes church steeples are the fallacies of architecture and a construction of the patriarchy like what else is a church steeple but a big dick that says come here and worship me. right like <laughs> there's a lot of phallic imagery you know mm-hmm. so that it was this was 2013 uh it the headline of this article it wasn't meant to be seen from above says architect of penis shaped church (laughs) (laughs) show me the church Uh, it's in it's in dixon in illinois lol that it's in a place called amazing Uh, (laughs) i don't know if you can see that oh what that was deliberate right wasn't that, that so is, deliberate? I'll post this that's on social not a, media. Uh, that's not just like a straight like rocket ship. No, no, kind of. no, no. It's got it's, it's got, got a curvature. Cur- indeed, curvature is the word. <laughs> <laughs> I will post this. I'll I'll try and remember to post this. But yeah, it, that just sprang to mind because I just think like wow. you know phall- phallic. Everything's phallic when it comes to fucking, especially these like priests that are just so fucking what's the word just repressed they're so repressed and i always Mm -hmm. go when i think of repression in this arena like the religious arena i guess i always go back to like sexual repression because that's Mm -hmm. like if they're abstinent and all that kind of shit and well that's exactly where mrs coulter goes as well as we'll see later Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which i loved so mrs coulter has mastered driving the midlife crisis car yeah she has almost immediately Mm -hmm. and it's finding it really satisfying to drive and I love that for her. I reckon Asriel probably underestimated how good she'd be yes. with the intention craft and that he would be actually really jealous yes. of how clear her intentions are mm-hmm. and how great she is at driving because that is 
beyond parallel parking, Mrs. Coulter. Mm-hmm. That is like crazy adjacent roof concealment parking. And she manages it perfectly. For sure. Also, imagine having clarity of thought that you could actually oh, God, do that. Imagine. Oh, my God. I... We've discussed this before, I think. But I was like, my mm-hmm. mind would wander. I'd end up somewhere else. Yeah. My, my mind does not do clarity of thought. No, or mine doesn't either. One direction for a period of time. I don't think you could drive the intention craft and also listen to a podcast, and that's a problem for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could listen to a podcast or music, and I don't know what I would like. How would I? How does one mm-hmm. do a journey without listening to a podcast or music? I just wouldn't be able to do that. Imagine you're intention crafting along, and like you know, you kind of visualize things as you do them, and like, or you know, something pops up in a song and it goes with you, and like you're just intention crafting along, and the fucking cha cha slide comes on, and it's like slide, and the whole intention craft would be like, soup. <laughs> yes, amazing, love that. And also because it's described as having like insect legs, and it's like crisscross. Oh criss-cross. yeah, that's a fucking blast from the past, guys. I've just aged myself tremendously. You really have. Truly. Yep, yep, yep. Absolutely. I don't know that song, actually. Too young. That's a lie. (laughs) Uh, So, she knows that, like, knew where to hide the intention craft. She lands it in a little crevice, like you said, on the roof. Uh, She bloody loves it, as we've already said. She fucking loves driving it. Although she can't figure out what it's fueled by. And that's a worry for her because she doesn't know like when it's going to run out of fuel, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they climb out onto the roof and their intention is obviously to break in. They break tiles off the roof. The monkey goes down into the attic of this building to have a look around. And then she follows him through. Um, and I can't, I do really like the the picture of them like she then like unpicks a door lock with like a little hair grip and she like wanders down into the pantry and escapes out of the window and i think this is really fucking funny from phil actually when um the last sentence of this is the gatehouse of the college was just around the corner and as she said to the golden monkey it was important to arrive in the orthodox way no matter how they intended to leave and then we get three asterisks which phil doesn't do very often at all I didn't get the asterisks. Do you not have them? No, I have some later on in the chapter, which is why it's interesting that I don't have them here. I don't have any later on in the chapter. I only have them here. Ooh. We love a publishing difference. We do. You'll have to tell me where you get when we get to it, where you have the other ones. Um but I love the juxtaposition of them like sneaking so well through this building. And then the next thing we know is, take your hands of me, hands of me, she said calmly to the guard, and show me some courtesy or I shall have you flayed. Tell the president that Mrs. Coulter has arrived and that she wishes to see him at once. The question is, did she get caught deliberately because it was the fastest way to get taken where she wanted to go? I would hope so. Or is it a comedy moment? I, I, do, I honestly don't think it would have been written like that if it wasn't supposed to be like a little bit of a comedic moment because I don't mm. see why there would be a paragraph break. It's just a really yeah. fun juxtaposition. But even so, that doesn't mean that she... If it's supposed to be comedic, that doesn't mean that she didn't get caught um, yeah. on purpose. She still might have been caught on purpose. Mm, true. I just want to say that the Mrs. Coulter sneaking through the buildings was giving a lot of Lyra in the retiring room mm-hmm. and like Lyra sneaking around the college. It was very cute. Yes. A very like mother, like daughter moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think getting caught deliberately would be a very Lyra move as well. So. Yeah. 
True. That's kind of why I want to think it. True. <laughs> also, not her threatening to have someone flayed. Who is she, Dark Willa? God. Also, not that being an actual threat that feels legit within the Magisterium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, corporal punishment. <laughs> so, the guard has a little, I don't know how you pronounce this dog breed. Pin- Pincher. Pincher. They are so, they're so cute. Doberman. I think. Yeah, they're so cute. I had to Google it because I didn't know what dog breed it was. And they're very, very cute. But they're smaller, though. They're not actual Dobermans, right? They're quite small. So I think you can, yeah, you can get Dobermans and you can get Doberman pinches. And you can get other kind of pinches, potentially. But interestingly, I wanted to bring this up as a demon corner moment, which we've not had in a really long time. It mentions that the dog tucks her tail stump Mm -hmm. as low as it would go. Mm -hmm. Those dogs do not naturally have short tails. It is practice to dock those dogs' tails, which is considered cruel by a lot of people. Some dogs need it doing because they're too strong and they bash their tails against things and it can be really bad for them. Um, It very much depends, but not a thing that occurs naturally in the dog. And therefore, why has the demon got a docked tail? Oh. Why, like, just if it's not something that naturally occurs in the animal, what about the aesthetic of it or about the... Because I don't think that a demon would have to have its tail docked because it can settle into any shape. Yeah. And I'm sure that can have a tail. And they would... But what does it say about them that they settled with the docked tail? And they would have enough self-control to not like hit it on things, like you were saying. Yeah. So what if it's... Because they're all like in the magisterium. It could have be mm. like the monkey and Mrs. Coulter and it'd be like a moment, like an act of self-loving, self-hatred, self-harm, something like that. Or like a lot of people... I think, I mean, I don't know a ton about like the the history of tail docking, um, but it could be that it like looks proper and the magisterium is very mm. about looking proper. But then do you think that the, that the demon settled that way or do you think that it settled away with a long tail and they cut the tail off? Well, that's what I wonder. Mm. Like it wouldn't make sense to do that unless you're in the magisterium. Well, exactly. Maybe. And you can very much imagine the magisterium doing something like that. That is interesting. I like that. We haven't had a demon corner moment in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this demon's absolutely shit scared of LMP, so. He has to wipe his palms on his robe in case she wants to shake hands. She didn't. She didn't. (laughs) (laughs) She said, absolutely not. She said no, actually. Yeah. Um, Also, the bit, so she says, who are you? says brother louis said the man soothing his rabbit demon so we've met a new guy now this is a priest that's come to take her to the president Mm -hmm. convener of the secretariat of the consistorial court my god that's a mouthful if you would be so kind i haven't come here to parley with the scrivener she told him take me to father mcphail and do it now what's a scrivener did you google it i didn't because i just assumed it meant peasant the help Oh, I haven't Googled it, but I kind of want to know specifically. I had, like, sometimes I feel like you just get the vibe of a word and that that's how I kind of felt about it. So I was going to Google it, but I decided not to. So I'd be interested to hear what you find. A scrivener is a scribe or a person who could read and write and who wrote letters on court and legal documents. But it must have a negative connotation then, right? Because why would she? Because she's definitely saying it in... Negatively. Kind of, I guess it's kind of like saying I don't want to talk to the secretary. I want to talk yeah. to the boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because it literally just means scribe. So I don't think it is an insult, except for Mrs. Coulter's making <laughs> it. It is now. <laughs> it is now. Yeah. Speak. Speaking of failure, here he is, Father President McPhail. Uh, Father President. Yes. Um. 
Louis, brother Louis, absolutely shits herself about disturbing. Speaking of fairly Father McPhail, it is diversions. Mm-hmm. And then this is me being really crude about men in, I guess, this type of like, I don't know, presidency, priesthood. And it's like, I Googled because I didn't really know what diversions was. And then I Googled and it's like, oh, where you go off on your own to like pray or, you know, pledge your allegiance to God, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, is he having a wank? (laughs) If in doubt, probably. No, but the thing is, they've all got really like no fap incel vibes, right? Oh, 100%. I don't think... So like probably not. He's probably just really desperately thinking about it but then not doing it. And that's why he's such a... Yes. That's why he's like so frustrated. 100% agree with you. Like I wrote that down and then I was like, no, he's definitely not. But He He would never allow himself. Yeah, but he wants to so bad. Mm -hmm. So bad. So, McPhail's happy to see Mrs. Coulter. He invites her in. Um, and then my other note is just her fucking belittling and intimidation in this chapter is amazing because she's just like, oh, yeah, go and get me some chocolate to Louis. And Louis's like, well, that's not my fucking job. Mm-hmm. The way she just like walks in and she's like, no, I'm not talking to you. You're taking me to your boss. Okay, now I'm in the room. You're going to go and get me a coffee. Yes, oat milk. No sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Except for no, it's not that. It's chocolate, of course. Her signature drink. Yes. The quote is, Nothing had been offered, and she knew how insulting it was to treat him like a servant, but his manner was so abject that he deserved it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just so fucking great. It's so good. It's just so good. (sighs) Okay. So... I enjoy this bit where he's like, come in, come in. Like, oh, here's all the hospitality. Of course you're under arrest. And she's like, well, why why spoil it? <laughs> That's hilarious that you think that. Yeah. She's like, why spoil that lovely conversation? Mm-hmm. He just, it was him trying to get any kind of upper hand after, after that entrance. Yeah. And there is no such thing. There is no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she says she can tell him about what Asriel's planning. And I just wanted to bring up this question again, because I can't remember where we landed on it last time, but where do do we, did we land on where we think her loyalties lie? I know she keeps things from MacPhail here, but she still tells him quite a lot. I do think her loyalties lie with herself mm. and with Lyra, even though she doesn't, she holds what she thinks are Lyra's best interests at heart. So I think she's willing to screw over whoever she needs to. I don't think she necessarily intends to go back to Asriel, but I also don't think she's intending to give anything terrifically damaging to the Magisterium. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. She's like, I'll tell you about Asriel. And then MacPhail's like, I want to know about Lyra. Well, he doesn't call her Lyra. He just says, the girl. The child. The child. The child. This is one of my (laughs) favourite Mrs. Coulter moments, I think, that we've ever had. So... I'll just read the whole bit. So he says, the child then, begin with the child. My daughter is now 12 years old. Very soon she will approach the cusp of adolescence and then it will be too late for any of us to prevent the catastrophe. Nature and opportunity will come together like spark and tinder. Thanks to your intervention, this is now far more likely. I hope you're satisfied. It was your duty to bring her here into our care. Instead, you chose to skulk in a mountain cave. Though how a woman of your intelligence hoped to remain hidden is a mystery to me. There's probably a great deal that's, a myster- that's mysterious to you, my Lord President, starting with the relations between a mother and a child. If you thought for one moment that I would release my daughter into the care, the care 
of a body of men with a feverish obsession with sexuality, men with dirty fingernails reeking of ancient sweat, men whose furtive imaginations would crawl over her body like cockroaches. If you thought I would expose my child to that, my Lord President, you are more stupid than you take me for. Boom, roasted. Absolutely fucking roasted. as well. And it's, uh, it's interesting that all this time we've been talking about puberty, adolescence, nobody's actually brought sex or sexuality into it it's always been like on the cusp in the subtext Mm -hmm. and mrs coulter just made it text yeah 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 very much so also just the thing of like what am i trying to say so asriel felt very comfortable dropping his child off at jordan college Mm -hmm. into a predominantly male environment he didn't think twice about any of that probably because he is a man Mm -hmm. but also probably because the college had a very different vibe to the magisterium Mm -hmm. and the fact that mrs coulter is just straight up calling out the magisterium and be like who in their right mind would leave a child with you yeah you are terrifying this is a predatory environment and i would not bring somebody into this it's like yes coulter yes also yeah boom roasted against him just so good an absolute roasting well done Mm -hmm. a full-on annihilation so Brother Louis comes back with the drinks and wants to stay, but he's like shooed away, honestly. Um, and we have a conversation here between them where President McPhail is like, you know, there's a boy with a knife. Then she has a slide dig at Frau Pavel first, <laughs> where she's like, of course. Oh, fucking hell, he must be getting quicker. It would have taken him a fucking month to find that out. But then there's an interesting part that I would like to formally apologise to Will for because she says that she broke the knife. Mm -hmm. And if you remember in the chapter when the knife broke, I had to go at Will for blaming it on Mrs. Coulter. I didn't, which I kind of should have because it's classic Coulter, Mm -hmm. put two and two together and be like, she meant to do that. Of course she meant to do that. She did it on purpose. She definitely did something on purpose. Mm. I don't know that she knew it would break, but I think she is very willing to take the credit Mm. for it, especially to the magisterium. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yes because I also think that if it didn't break she would have found a way to follow them yeah and insinuate herself in some way yeah take control of the situation um yeah definitely love that she's taking credit for that mm-hmm. hate that she's been given shit hot chocolate yeah oh god that she sips the hot chocolate and she's like it was it was thin and weak how like the tedious priest she thought to take their self-righteous abstinence out on their visitors too <laughs> Give me your shit hot chocolate. Oh, so good. She deserves full-bodied dark chocolate. She does. She does. She deserves the best hot chocolate. That is Mrs. Coulter you're serving. Yeah. Don't give her shit. Don't give her shit hot chocolate where you haven't, haven't stirred the granules in properly and you've made it with water and no milk. Oh, Who do you think you are? Amazing. <laughs> Nothing worse, though, when you get... I mean... When, then when you str- stride into a building and demand a drink and then they give you a shit version of it, nothing worse. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. I'm always doing that, actually. <laughs> yeah. I like that um, she likes Will. She does. Yeah. She likes him. She's like... Uh, she kind of realises it a bit in that moment. She's yeah. like, oh yeah, that kid. Surely she didn't approve of this wretched boy. Why is he so wretched? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So... She lies and says that she stole a gyropter and that she abandoned it and walked the rest of the way. She didn't want to let him know about 
Grand Theft Intention Crafter. Absolutely not. This is another great bit here where they're still having this conversation and Father McPhail asks if Azriel is actively looking for Lyra and Will, although obviously he doesn't use their names. He says the girl and the boy. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Coulter says, of course. And then McPhail knows that the knife is called a god killer. Um, that's what Azriel's aiming to do, isn't it? Destroy the authority. These are some people who claim that God is dead already. Uh, sorry, there are some people who claim that God is dead already. Presumably Azriel, Azriel if not, is not one of those if he retains the ambition to kill him. And then this is a fucking great paragraph. And I, oh, go, you going to say something? Go for it. No, I just, I love this. I love this so much. I, oh, I'm going to compare it to one of the reasons that you are particularly enjoying the Paramore album that you're doing right now. Yes. Mrs. Coulter is entering her blasphemy era, <laughs> much like Hayley Williams. <laughs> much like Hayley Williams in like... 2009, she is entering her blasphemy era. Yeah. She is fully like, yeah, the truth the truth will set me free because I'll, I, God, I don't know the line. <laughs> the truth never set me free, so I did it myself. Yes. Yeah. She's setting herself free. She is saying, fuck God, if he is dead, great. If he's not, let's kill him. Mm-hmm. Basically, if he's like, yeah. she's just like saying all the stuff she's probably always wanted to say, but hasn't because it would have gotten in the way of her getting the power that she wanted to and would never gotten, have gotten away with saying without being there in a strong, hard quotes, prisoner, Mm -hmm. because we all know that she's not really trapped. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Yes, yes, yes. We love to see it. I mean, do you want to read it? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, where is God if he's alive? And why doesn't he speak anymore? At the beginning of the world, God walked in the garden and spoke with Adam and Eve. Then he began to withdraw and Moses only heard his voice. Later in the time of Daniel, he was aged. He was the ancient of days. Where is he now? Is he still alive? At some inconceivable age, decrepit and demented, unable to think or act or speak and unable to die, a rotten hulk? And if that is his condition, wouldn't it be the most merciful thing, the truest proof of our love of God to seek him out and give him the gift of death? And she... (laughs) Mrs. Coulter felt a calm exhilaration as she spoke. She wondered if she'd ever get out alive, but it was intoxicating to speak like this to that man. Amazing. (laughs) She's lit rolling in blasphemy. (laughs) It's just so good. Also say it with the conviction of somebody who has actually been indoctrinated into this whole like uh, system of religion, knows the past, knows the history, has read her texts, and has decided absolutely not. Mm-hmm. We love to see it. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things, isn't it, where we talk a lot about how Mrs. Coulter knew exactly she wanted power, and she knew exactly what to do to get it. And part of it was to, you know, I guess pledge herself to the magisterium. Do you think she mm-hmm. ever believed any of this stuff, or she just wanted power? There's no doubt that she she knows about it and she's learned about it. But did she ever truly believe? in what the magisterium believes interesting so i want to say no because Mm. i see her as being like literally any politician for any political party that is just going to say what they think will get them yeah the yeah because i think if she did believe that stuff she wouldn't go against it in the same way that she is now i don't know it's so hard well it's hard to decide whether she has kind of to mrs coulter yeah if she was if she ever believed it and now she's coming to the realisation that she doesn't believe it and she wants to be with her daughter and protect her daughter. Or if she never believed it and did it to get the power and now is thinking, fuck it, 
I need to protect my daughter and I don't give a shit about this anymore. I'm not keeping up this false pretense here anymore. Mm. I don't know. Why are you so complex? (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, well, we'll move on. But listeners, if you have any ideas or thoughts about that, let us know. Mm. So he asks her for her view on dust from the depths of heresy. And she says she don't know. She's like, no one knows. And then they quickly just skim past that conversation. (laughs) Yup. And then he reminds her that she's under arrest. And he's like, don't worry, you're under arrest, but we'll treat you right and we'll put you in this nice guest room. Um, And then they get there and it's pretty, pretty shabby. Yeah. They call Brother Louis again, who at this point ought to be called Butler Louis, not Brother Louis. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So there's a bit here as well where she gets there and obviously clever Mrs. Coulter looks for microphones, finds them, disconnects them. That felt oddly high-tech for the Magisterium and just Lyra's world in general. That felt strange to me, having microphones. Yeah, it feels correct tech for the Magisterium that we're seeing in the TV series. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. It feels high tech for the Magisterium as I picture them in the books. Yeah. My thing, I feel like, if they were trying to spy on her, they'd... (laughs) I'm picturing, like, fucking tin can under the bed and, like, string out the window and, like, (laughs) like Brother Lewis outside, (laughs) like, listening to it. Well, I would have thought something more, even more sinister, just like holes in the walls. Oh, where yeah. Oh, if God. somebody was on the other side of the wall and they had a small demon, mm. that their demon could get through enough to like spy and see. Mm. Yeah, that's um, not good. Or yeah, like if one of if there was a mirror on the wall, it would be a one way mirror, one way mirror or something creepy. Mm. Ew. No, apparently they're the into bugging things. Yeah, but she disconnects them anyway. She's like, absolutely mm. not. Um, and then Lord Rook appears and she absolutely shits herself. I love this. <laughs> He's like, surprise, bitch. I've always been here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she's like, oh, were you going to tell me that you were here before or after I undressed? And he's like, he's like before. before. We know that Galavespians are very proud people. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. And he's not scared of the monkey whatsoever. He's like, tell your demon to fucking stand down. Tell your demon to calm down or I'll disable him. Oh, boy. Poor monkey. Mm. Well, not poor monkey. LMP. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has spoken to his agents at Azrael's fortress and Azrael presents his compliments and asks you to let him know as soon as you find out what these people's intentions are. And Coulter is like, ugh, ugh, my fucking ex. <laughs> Still trying to control my life. Yeah, so... <laughs> I don't, I, I'm sad that she was blindsided by this. I don't know if I'd true, like, if I 100% understand it because when she left Azrael... Didn't she say to him, like, I can go and spy for you? And did he say no? I can't remember. Because then obviously she steals the intention craft and fucks off. Did she go with the intention that she was just on her own now? And, like, the fact that Lord Rooks come come with her and said, like, oh, he sends his compliments and he, like, approves of of what you're doing? Is that the annoyance and, like, the feeling of being winded that she feels here because he approves of, or seemingly approves of what she's doing? Because he's done that as a fucking move as well. Yeah, well, so like he initially accused her when he captured her of being a spy, and she was like, "Well, I'd be a pretty shit spy if I just let myself get captured." Yeah, by you. And then now that's exactly what she's done in this chapter. Um, I'm trying to find the bit where she offers to spy for him. Mm. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's just like, "Absolutely not. Why would I? Why would I trust you?" Which is mm. like, after she finds out that Azriel sent Roke to get to relay the information that she finds out. She felt winded as if Lord Asriel had thrown her hard in wrestling. Her eyes widened and she sat down uh, and she sat down slowly on the bed. 
And the fact that it's not like she felt like the floor had been pulled out from underneath her or the fact the the way that that metaphor has been chosen makes me feel like it's still a fair fight and there's mm-hmm. still a to and fro between Azrael and Coulter. She's not had the rug pulled out from underneath her and feels like unsettled by it, but she's had like a move of chess played against her or she's had... Yeah a wrestling move done against her that she can still... Yeah, for sure. Like, it still feels like it's a conversation between the two of them or like an even matchup by the way that it's worded, which is quite nice. Yeah, 100%. It's Um, like, he's won this round, but she's coming back kind of thing. mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I get that. Rook, she asks Rook whether he's there to spy or to help. And he's like, both. And then he's like, you must have galvanised them because they've started working on something. The scientists have started working on something downstairs. Um as soon as you got here and then she wants to go to sleep and she says you can keep watch Mm. and then that's what they do and then she and the monkey go to sleep is this the first time we've seen them both asleep at the same time potentially i can't really remember seeing mrs coulter asleep that much to be honest no it just makes me the whole time that she's asleep it makes me think she's definitely just pretending but then maybe she isn't yeah she just trust him enough to fall asleep this is where my little triple asterisks asterisks oh wait sorry which sits bit? just after she falls asleep oh see i don't have one there i just have a little paragraph yeah. break uh, like yeah a little paragraph break yeah interesting so this is i guess this is quite an interesting bit here because it says like lord rook hadn't told her everything that's going on with asriel mm-hmm. and we learned that there are some allies so we say it says the allies had been tracking the flight of all kinds of beings in the air above the frontiers of the republic and had noticed a concentration of what might have been angels and might have been something else entirely in the west they had sent patrols out to investigate but so far they had learned nothing whatever it was that hung there had wrapped itself in impenetrable fog so what the fuck is going on there i am not got a clue do you want me to actually tell you or do you want to keep it podcast spoiler free appropriate? No, you can tell me. I've read, I've read the books. I'll just cut it out. We'll pop some pins in that because yes. I can imagine that we will at some point soon, hopefully soon, find out what the fuck that is. Yeah, for sure. And Rook's like, I'm not bothering Mrs. Coulter with that. No, she don't need to know. Mm-hmm. So he lets her sleep and he watches out for her. Um, and this whole thing with so brother louis comes into the room it's so grim it's all just really grim like the fact that he like sits on the bed and like stares he like sits there for a little bit and like stares at the bedside table because they're looking for the locket and he realizes it's around her neck the fact that like he like touches her like as if right i'm not being funny this might be because i'm like the lightest sleeper in the world but how does she not wake up somebody's touching her neck Mrs. Coulter, the tensest woman in the world. Right. Like, surely. How is that monkey demon not throttling that rabbit already? Mm-hmm. Like, no. There's no. But that's why I'm like, is she, like, kind of aware, but staying asleep because she's, like, but then, wants like, when, to know the mm, reason? But then when Rook comes back, she just, and tells her what's happened, she does seem quite surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it. I, I hate it. it. I hate the way that the door unlocks so slowly. Mm-hmm. I hate the idea of anyone sneaking anywhere when I'm sne- when I'm sneaking, sneaking, when I'm sleeping. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah, I don't like it. I also don't like that it's somebody that she, um, like belittled earlier and mm. made them feel bad earlier because I feel like that gives him like 
I don't know, a reason to have an even more sinister presence in the room with yeah. her because he could want to take some kind of revenge, especially because she's in such a vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, all he does do is what he's told, which is take the locket. Mm-hmm. But it's, I just hate it. It's horrible. It's so creepy and horrendous. I do like the little joke that Lord Rook kind of makes. Oh, he with... fucking hates that rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> he hates the rabbit. He fucking hates the rabbit. Um, there's two th- Well, I guess there's two things that I think are quite funny from him then. Uh, the young man froze, hands outstretched because the monkey, the, it feels like the monkey's going to wake up. His rabbit demon trembled at his feet. No use at all. She could at least have kept watch for the poor man, Lord Rook thought. <laughs> so mean. And then it's the bit um, where he fumbled, so, he fumbled for so long that Lord Rook thought the dawn would break before he got the catch undone. But finally he lifted the locket gently away and stood up so impatient work it's so funny it's so to judgy. me like that's just really funny to me like i love that I, oh, yeah that's great but yes the whole thing is horrific i hate it mm-hmm. brother louis makes his way towards the tower and lord rogue follows him and basically uh brother louis has taken this locket to a meeting which has father mcphail fra Pavel, and dr cooper who do we remember Dr. Cooper from Bolvanger? Should we remember Dr. Cooper from Bolvanger? I mean, I think I kind of do, because when he starts being a big wet fart in this scene, it it did trigger something in my memory that there was definitely a, a doctor in Bolvanger that was a massive wet fart and we had massive beef with him. So mm-hmm. it probably was Dr. Cooper, I would imagine. I do recognise his name as well. Yeah, I w- meant to go back and check in Northern Lights and find the Bolvanger chapter and see if I could find a Dr. Cooper, but I did not so i might attempt to do that now okay i also fucking love that later on when dr cooper's name is mentioned mrs coulter is like who <laughs> sorry who <laughs> no no i did i did run that facility for a, for a period of time but i don't remember a single one of my underlings like, names why would i <laughs> why Cooper would who? I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is great that is great have you found have you found anything so Dr. Cooper is the one that says, like, there's no possibility that any of the staff here could have opened the door. Um, so it must have been a child. And Mrs. Coulter is like, please understand, Dr. Cooper, I'm not criticising out of malice. We have quite, we have to be quite extraordinarily careful. Um, so, like, Cooper is one of the three people that Mrs. Coulter is having a meeting with. Okay. And probably that tries to get Lyra, um, one of the people that tries to put Lyra in the cage. So... I think there is absolutely zero chance that Mrs. Coulter doesn't remember who Dr. Cooper is and probably has made a mental note to fuck him up later. (laughs) Yes, yeah. So the MacPhail opens the locket and there's a lock of Lyra's hair in it and just like ew at him like twisting it between his fingers. The vibe of that is off. Do not like that. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Mm -mm. I mean, thank fuck it doesn't say that he sniffs it, but that is the vibe that you get. God, yeah. Yeah, That he he wants to. Like in Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. (laughs) (laughs) The the movie masterpiece that is, of course. I fucking love that film. I won't hear a bad word about it, actually. (laughs) How dare you? Well. (laughs) They take the hair out and then McPhail's like, yeah, Louis, you've got to go and put it back on Mrs. Coulter's neck now. He's like, uh, I thought my work was done. <laughs> Why? He just gets all the shit jobs. Yeah, he really <laughs> so does. Poor really Louis. Does. They, whatever they need the hair for, it 
the the locket of hair the lock of hair is more than enough mm-hmm. um which is disconcerting to say the least um we get to find out that father mcphail apparently is sherlock holmes because when asked how did he know that the hair was in the locket he was like well i deduced uh, <laughs> oh every time she mentioned the child her hand went to the locket maybe it had a just a picture of her in it maybe it had like what a weird assumption what a like yeah and also like what what a coincidence that mrs Coulter just happened to turn up with something of lyra's that they could use you know what i mean like what's going on there yeah maybe they were waiting on it and that's why the machines got turned on when she arrived because they were like aha oh they they like they knew that she would yeah, come at like, some point, kind of vibe. Yeah, just what a what a weird. I mean, maybe at that era is like means it is a common thing to have a locket with a lock of hair in it. Um, is that where locket comes from? I don't know. Shall we? Uh, can I have a locket with some of your hair in it, please? Sure, but only if I can have one with some of your hair in it. Absolutely. I won't wear it because I don't wear jewelry, but I'll hang it somewhere in my bedroom. I, that makes it creepier. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hang it over my bed as I sleep. No. So locket is locket, not because of a lock of hair, but because it is something that locks. The locks, yeah. Like, it's from like latch or lock. So yeah. that makes that makes a lot more sense. But mm-hmm. yeah. Fine. So whatever they're building can be ready in a matter of hours. And we're like, well, what is it? What is it? And basically, we learn that it's essentially a big bomb that's kind of like part bomb, part spy fly that's going to track Lyra down because it has her hair and kill her wherever she is. But I had a question about something that's worded strangely. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, are they trying to kill her or sever her? That's what I thought. Mm. I thought it is my reading of this is it is a bomb, but it is the power of the explosion is the power of the explosion that happens when a child is severed from their demon. Yeah. So I think they're harnessing that to turn it into an explosion. Mm. And it also sounds like every single bit of hair that was attached to every single bit of hair that Mrs. Calder has is going to be the point of the explosion. Mm. So it's like one strand of hair would create as much, like, so it's going to be a big explosion. Yeah. Because I the thing that, like, made me wonder whether it was going to kill her or sever her and pan this Mm. sentence is just worded strangely so it says yeah uh just as an atomic bomb needs a high explosive uh to force the uranium together and set off the chain reaction this device device needs a colossal current to release the much greater power of the severance process so it's Mm. releasing the power of the severance process like you said maybe it just means that it uses uses that power but then are they killing her or severing her because the way that it's worded is a bit strange yeah, it sounds like she becomes an Azrael explosion, but also mm. not. Because I don't think it's a gateway opening thing. But also it does say that it is the the, the theoretical physics behind it is based in the Barnard-Stokes controversy, which is the many worlds yeah. theory, which is mentioned way back in the first book. <laughs> I also love that MacPhail's like, calm down. I already know about it. It's fine. Yeah, calm down. We know about other worlds. Yeah. It's fine. You're not going to get the head. You're not going to have flayed for this one. Yes, but also the thing is as well is that obviously it's going to harm her. Jokes on them if it's just supposed to sever her. Jokes on them because she's already been severed, so mm-hmm. <laughs> she ain't got a pan at this point. So. That's true. 
oh, I wonder if it wouldn't work because of that. Because mm. if it's using the link, the power of the link to create the explosion, if somebody has been unlinked, does that mean that they no longer have that power within them? Where was the release of energy when Lyra and Pan were on the when Lyra was on the boat and Pan wasn't on the boat? Let's not think uh, about the boat. <laughs> no, let's not think about the boat. I wonder if it was the way that they were separated. Yeah. Because like it is there something in the shock of it happening to like Roger and the other children, like the the blunt force of it happening whereas like her and pan were like slowly pulled apart i guess yep 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 you know (laughs) slowly and treacherously and horrendously pulled apart yeah 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 uh yeah i don't know yeah so okay cooper's a big wet fart because he clearly didn't want to do this, but he's just saying yes. But they need the power. They need the power to do it. What if we simply just don't have enough batteries? I'm so sorry. <laughs> we just can't do it. We don't have the batteries. And McPhail's like, look, mate, I've commandeered a dam. We're going to use the hydroelectrics. Is that going to be enough? And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big wet fart. It, we, know, it, we learn it can be detonated anywhere, but it has to have the power, like you said. So they're going to take it to... Where are they taking it to? What's the name of the place? I can't remember. I'm going to make you say it so that you can be the first one to say it on the podcast. And I can copy you. Oh, time. God. I can't say that. Is it... So it's saying... I'm Right, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get Google Translate up, So Yeah. Shall I pronounce it as wrong as I possibly can yes. in... What, how I think you would pronounce it if you were just going to attempt to not do the correct uh, accent at all. Yes. St. Jean Les Oaks. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking it to St. Jean Les Oaks. <laughs> Love that. Uh, hang on. I'm just typing it into Google Translate. French detected. Saint Jean Les Oh, I think that's probably that's right. Saint Jean Les That is literally what you just said. Wait, hang on. Yeah, there you go. Ah. So that's it in English. Saint Jean Lesso. Oh, she said it slower then, didn't she? <laughs> is she all right? And then this is Fran, Francais. Saint Jean Lesso. Saint Jean Lesso. <laughs> we should probably like drop Adeline a message and be like, yes. "Can you just say this, please?" Yes. <laughs> and just drop her vocal in yeah. whenever we have to say it. Yeah. yeah. Saint Jean Lesso is where they're going. Apologies to all French speakers. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm trying. We're trying. <sighs> Is that an actual place? Um, let's do another. Are you googling it? It was part of the Alps and Lyra as well. So yes, no, it okay. is. The first thing that comes up is that it is. Um, there's a Saint Alban Lazou, which is a commune. Lazou. Lazou. Saint Jean. Saint Jean. Uh, so there are a few different, like, sans, different name, Lizzo, uh, through France. So I guess they've just decided that Jean, 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 this one. Yes. Okay, so that's where they're going to go. And he tells Dr. Cooper to get the apparatus ready. Um, and then Cooper takes a hair and Rook follows him out of the room. And Rook gets him, fucking mm-hmm. spears him. A little him. stabby. Yeah, a little stabby. And he takes the hair and the envelope is like half as big as him. So it's really heavy and he can't, he can't grab it properly. Yep. He would hate me for saying it like that as well. He'd be so mad. Yeah. So, in- <laughs> so insulting. Yes. Yeah. He's not a borrower. 
he uh, goes back to Mrs. Coulter's room and I love it how Louis has just decided, fuck this, I'm not touching her again. I'm just going to put the locket back on the pillow next to her. Mm-hmm. But he's like, what does he think? If all went well in this situation and Mrs. Coulter like, woke up the next morning, didn't get woken up again uh, in the night like she does in a minute, what was the best case scenario going to be here? Because she was going to wake up and be like, who the fuck took my necklace off? And then... Louis going to get into shit with fucking speaking of failure, Father McPhail. I assume that, so if I was Louis, what I would do is I would break the chain and then reattach the clasp and mm. put it not on the pillow, but like kind of part under the pillow or part in the bedding. So mm. it felt like it, she could be like, oh no, the chain broke while I was asleep. Yeah. And also what I would do is not take the entire lock of hair. The guy said that it would work with three strands of hair. Yes. Why are you taking the entire lock? That's really suspicious. Yeah, she wouldn't know anything had been taken if you, all you need is three. Okay, take five. It's still the same size lock of hair. Like it's yeah. not that obvious. Just do better villaining. Okay? Honestly, honestly. <laughs> Stop making plot holes <laughs> in your villaining. Yes. Okay, so he wakes her up, and they have like a little, like I guess, kind of conversation um, about he tells her what happens, and she says you should destroy it at once. Uh, one single hair would be enough, the man said. Uh, and she's like, too late for that. They've t- they've obviously, what they have done is they've taken some of the hair and kept it. So when L- uh, Rourke was looking around the room earlier, trying to hide from them, MacPhail has like split the lock of hair in half, gave some to Cooper in the envelope and kept some back just in case, I guess. And Mrs. Colt mm-hmm. is like, there was way more hair in here. So they've still fucking got some. Wow, wow. Yeah. It's okay. They're, they're okay at villaining. But also they should have just put some of the hair back anyway. Just be more yeah. subtle. <laughs> I would just like to point out that the monkey shushes them. Yeah. LMP fucking pops a quick shush. <laughs> just pop a shush on that, everybody. <laughs> We've got company. I mean, okay. That's the second time he's ever, I guess you can't call it speaking, but I guess made a kind of human-esque noise. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it- if LMP was only ever going to do one thing, maybe two things, it would be guttural scream mm. and shh. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the two things that he would do. That is that is very on brand. It's a shame that earlier in the book he spoke and they forgot to edit it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fucking hell. Yes. I have a question. Does Rook not have a dragonfly like Tally and Sally? Sounds like he doesn't. Mm. He probably has. Mm. Like a dragonfly, like pupa in his backpack oh not a pupa like how Tally and Sally did when they yeah. were like because they were like oh they carry them in suspended animation ready to be ready oh when yeah did. yeah 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 so hmm. but also he did go in a hurry as well so maybe he's not prepared and he's just being sneaky yeah because after all was like quick go after her true so. true that true that mm. so McPhail comes in and he's pissed he's pissed but he's quickly disconcerted because he's like He's ready to like go in and be like, haha, I caught you. I knew it was you. And then, but it's really obvious that Mrs. Colt has been asleep the whole time because mm-hmm. she's like really bleary eyed and, you know, because she has been asleep the whole time. Uh, like disheveled. Yeah. It's like, but she's always so disheveled. How could she be disheveled right now? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense. And then he's like, you've got an accomplice, blah, blah, blah. And then I really like that Rook loves Mrs. Colt's acting. Mm-hmm. When she like, this is where she's like, 
what do I have to do? And who is Dr. Cooper? You know who Dr. Cooper is. <laughs> you know who it is. Um, and yeah, she like finds that she feigns finding the locket. She's acting. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, how, like there was somebody in my in my room. There was my child's hair in that. Who's taking it? What's going on? Stellar acting performance. Absolutely. And the president, like, fucking McPhail's like, somebody must be with you, somebody must be with you. She says, I have no accomplice, she said angrily. If there's an invisible assassin in this place, I can only imagine it's the devil himself. I dare he say, I dare say he feels quite at home here. Boom. One last roast. But then it gets really creepy, really creepy at this point, mm-hmm. where Father McPhail said to the guard, Take her to the cellars, put her in chains. I know just what we can do with this woman. I should have thought of it as soon as she appeared. That is sinister as fuck. Yeah, I don't appreciate that. It's fucking gross and grim and horrendous and I hate it. But it's fine because she looks wildly around, meets Lord Rogue's eyes for a fraction of a second, glittering in the darkness near the ceiling. He catches her expression at once and understands exactly what she means him to do. They're gonna have a little fight. That's what I think. I think so, too. Yes. But I just... It's and that that is the end of the chapter, and it's such. Yes, I enjoyed this chapter just for the like amount of roasts that we got, but it was peppered through with some very like sinister, horrible priesty shit that I'm not here for. Yeah, I do not love the threat of Lyra getting blown up out of no. absolutely nowhere. No, don't love that. No, nope, nope, nope. Mm-mm. Love that Mrs. Cotter's got something to do that involves saving Lyra from afar and not kidnapping her and keeping her captive. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. Interesting chapter. Yeah, I did enjoy it. I liked seeing Mrs. Coulter give the most big C energy ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is... Oh, I didn't say at the beginning of the podcast, I'm actually wearing my big C energy t-shirt. Yeah, she recording. is. It wasn't deliberate, but it's very appropriate. So I'm embracing it. Hell yeah. Hell yes. Yes. Uh, Can you uh, tell me what the next chapter's called, please? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to just play it on your phone? (laughs) Wait one sec. What's the name of the next chapter, Rich? The name of the next chapter is... St. Jean Lesson. No, I did the wrong one. (laughs) (laughs) St. Jean Lesson. (laughs) I hit the mic at the same time. Fucking hell. Okay, let's try again. (laughs) What is the name of the next chapter, Rich? The name of the next chapter is... Oh my god, you pronounced that perfectly. <laughs> just so good. Yes, that is the next mm. chapter. And it looks like we're still obviously with Mrs. Coulter. Yeah, it looks like Mrs. Coulter doesn't get immediately taken to a dungeon by just the first word of the chapter. So, yes. Oh, really? What is the first word of the chapter? It's, it's the, so that doesn't really So, okay, who is your award for? I mean, obviously it's for Mrs. Coulter and her sick burns. Fair. <laughs> I can't be anything else. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I was going to say, like, I was going to try and pick someone obscure, but we've not met anyone nice that isn't Mrs. Coulter this chapter. So I agree. Yeah. I was going to potentially say Rook because he did do a quite a good job of spying, mm-hmm. but I just can't not give it to Mrs. Coulter because, like, these these were some of like my favourite Mrs. Coulter moments that we've actually had. Yeah. In terms of her just like sick roasts, loved them. Sick roasts. I just just glanced over at my notes. Apparently, whatever my seventh post-it note was, my note for it was third degree burn. Send out the burn unit. Total annihilation burn. <laughs> so that's the Amazing. level of how much I enjoyed Mrs. Coulter's burns. Yeah, so, love yes. that. Fucking love it. 
Yeah. Well done, Colter. You get the flaming trophy of the sickest burn. Absolutely. Congratulations. Sickest burn award. Yeah. So do you want to do a little review spiel? Sure. We are actually quite close, I believe. I think so. I've not counted them in a while, but I'm assuming so. (laughs) Yes, we are quite close to reaching the end of having to listen to me doing this review spiel (laughs) because we just need a few more reviews to get to our aim, our goal, our total, which will help us in the charts. So you know what to do if you've listened before. Drop us a review anywhere you can leave one, screenshot it and send it over to us at herdartmaterialspod at gmail.com. That email is your entry into a prize draw. If you don't send the email, we won't know how to contact you Mm -hmm. if you win. So you do have to send the screenshot of your review. Um, Please do that. And yeah, we will pull out 10 names from a hat at the end of the prize draw. And nine of those people will get some super fun HDM pod bookmarks. We love the bookmarks. I have one in my book right now. And one person will get the up-to-date sticker merch pack, including all of the season stickers that we have up-to-date at that point that we pull the prize. Yes. Say nice things. Give us five stars. Tell your friends about us, especially with the TV show coming back on. Some of mm-hmm. more of your historic materials friends might be coming out of the woodwork. So recommend us if you like us. Send us. If anyone's like, oh, I really enjoyed the first two seasons. I wonder if there's any like insights from the cast and crew about how that was all put together. <laughs> we'll go back and listen to our interview episodes. Yes. With the likes of Limonwell Miranda, Daphne Keene, Jane Tranter, Joel Collins, Russell Dodgson, Caroline McCall. Yes. So many amazing yes. people. Simone Kirby. Simone Kirby. Oh my God, Simone. How could we? We almost Do it. forget listen. Simone. Yes. Go back and listen. And yeah, tell your friends about us. Send us nice things on social media. Um, if you bought one of our t-shirts, we didn't even mention the t-shirts, but if you bought one of our t-shirts, which you still can buy, uh, hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop, send us pictures of you in said t-shirts. Yeah, do it. We love to see it. Yeah. Or any of our we merch. Should. We love it. And yeah, I guess because this, this is the last book episode for a while, if you're not a TV show watcher, we won't see you for a little while. Yeah. If you're not going to listen to the TV episodes, which, why? Why wouldn't you? Why? How could you hurt us so? <laughs> uh, definitely tune in for the TV episodes. But if you don't plan on that, or you don't think you're going to watch the series, then you will be able to tune back in with us for more book episodes in the new year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... And in the meantime, I'll figure out how to properly pronounce Saint Jean Lazer. Saint Jean Lazer. So good. Sorry to all French people. I'm so, so sorry. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can email us at herdartmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. 
I'm Fair, and when I'm not talking about blasphemous Mrs. Coulter, you can find me talking about blasphemous Hayley Williams on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about how much I enjoy watching Mrs. Coulter crush the egos of annoying priests, I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, rachmakes.co.uk. A huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you for our TV show episodes. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. soon for the fucking tv series the tv series the tv series the tv series